Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part: the cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph/payrollstartermonthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode, so click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, award granting, and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. And brought to you by GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank is owned by Gokongwei Group and Ayala Corporation, the companies that brought you brands you love like Cebu Pacific, Robinsons, Ayala Malls, and many more. GoTime Bank makes next-level banking a breeze with its convenient account opening process. It takes less than five minutes to get started via the free app. Plus, get your GoTime Bank Visa card at one of their kiosks for free. Download the GoTime Bank app today and experience the next level of banking. You may visit www.gotime.com.ph for more details. From the beginning, you know, storytelling, properly pitching, properly relaying the ideas that you have in mind, proper business modeling and unit economics. Because at the end of the day, it's you know the overall bravado of being an entrepreneur. Welcome to Hustle Share. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. 
Now here's your host, Ronster Baityong. Welcome to the latest episode of Us Share Podcast. We are officially out of the pandemic because the last time I saw this guy was with King Panda. Uh, with all of his might and all of his muscles. Again, you recommended him. It was an amazing episode. But again, now it's your time. And again, finally, we're doing it in, in person. And you're, now we're talking about your story. But before I get carried away, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Lance Formarejo of Archipelago Labs. Whoop, whoop. Welcome hey. to the show. Lance, and congratulations in putting a ring on it. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> Don't you. ever leave the house without the ring. <laughs> you don't want to get fucked up. Okay? So, again, always remember the golden rule. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> again, that's easily one of the returns. Got to bring the hardware. And again, man, congratulations for being married again. Doing this Archipelago Labs thing that you're doing. But again, before I get carried away, I need to ask you. The million dollar question. Lance, what's your hustle? So what is my hustle? My hustle really is supporting founders and ideas at the earliest stages. Mm-hmm. This could be in multiple of ways, helping them raise capital, providing mentorship and advisory, or even, you know, just being there for them at the toughest times of their start. <laughs> yes, because it's always fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I always say it. For those people who want to, before I was, I always am responsible for inspiring people to be a startup founder. Mm-hmm. But hindsight being 2020, you have to be really fucking sure of what you're getting yourself into because this is war, right? It's not easy. And again, you've been here for, you're, an old fart like me now. You've been here for a, a while, yep. right? I remember Partifile, Ron. There, yep. Uh, guest list, Ron. <laughs> yep, I'm done. I'm done. Totally done now. I'm a Tito Ronster. That's Tito all Ronster I know. Na. All right, but I need you to buckle up, my man. Because if I'm an old fart and you've seen Partifile, Ron, uh-huh. I need to go all the way back to origin story because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. Oh, there you go. All right. And again, I, I remember you too. Good meal hunting. Lads. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I remember. But before we, we start again, we'll go all the way back. All right. Again, um, it's no secret that you've had great inspiration and influence over the startup ecosystem. But I want to understand from your point of view, growing up, how did you get into the tech space and even the entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial space growing up? Is this something that you were instantly curious about growing mm. up or is this something that you found along the way? What was growing up like for you? I guess it was innate from the beginning. I remember and I still have it somewhere in my parents' house. Okay. Some makeshift comic book that okay. I created when I was like five, six years old. It was about Dexter's Laboratory if you're okay. familiar with the show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I stapled a bunch of Bond papers together. Okay. Probably just like two or three. Okay. And started drawing and selling it to my friends who were my neighbors at that time. And, you know, generated a few bucks from that. And I guess that was the start of like the whole experience into entrepreneurship, you know, just Mm. creating something of value to other people Mm. and, you know, putting that value to work and just putting it all together. Fast forward a bit to university days, I guess. I was into the whole buying and selling of sneakers. Mm, so this there was, you go. This was pre, yeah, 
before Hype Beast. Before Hype Beast, <laughs> yeah. This was this was like Roshi Run era. Oh, this was like pre Yeezy hype. Yep. So my parents Warwatches. at that time were living in Hong Kong. Okay. I'd contract my dad to take photos of all street. the shops. Yep. There you go. And I tell him, hey, send some over. And then I just, you know, set up an Instagram page and everything. Easily. I've been, it's been a while since last been Hong Kong. I still remember two really rare cups mm. that I got there and shit, I need to go back. Right? Yep. So it's always a nice place to, to, to come in. So what were you doing? Again, these are, Sneaker Street in Hong Kong is easily as long as you can you have an eye to find mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> legit ones and fake ones. Yep. Always a great place to to cop sneaks. But what were you doing there? And again, how was the market like? What do you mean? Sorry. Like how was the market like in pre hype beast? Uh, oh, it uh, was pretty good. Like I said, it was the Roshi Run era. Uh-huh. So you really just needed to. Take some photos, post them online, and once there's interest, you know, you resell. Just, yeah, mm. sell it through through Instagram. Or most of my customers back then were like people from the same university, so from La Salle. Mm-hmm. It was very easy, you know. Once it was shipped, you you could do like a good markup on top of it, and then you just bring it to school and sell it to the people you meet. That's amazing. All right, now after college, what? Okay, what was the beginning? Of the exposure in the startup ecosystem. Because again, Tito J is there. Yep. Shout out Jay Pajardo. Shout out. Okay. Now my Ninong. There you go. And also Jojo <laughs> Flores. But yep. how did you get into this and what was, how did you fall in love? Because you haven't yeah. left since, right? Yeah, um, yeah. What was that process like? That's a good segue. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention like Jay was exposing me to all these, at the time, startup weekends yep. that were ongoing. At first, you know, it was like, wow, this is very interesting. Who could have imagined putting up, you know, from idea to MVP or prototype within one weekend yep. just by bringing together like-minded people under mm-hmm. one roof? Total strangers too. Yep, total strangers. So very interesting. I, I went to a few with them together with his wife, Gear. Yep. And I have a vivid memory. I was fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. I took that usual two, three month break mm-hmm. uh, wherein you know I'm just trying to figure out what I really wanted to do mm. I had some offers to work in the whole corporate scene yep it's your usual FMCG real estate etc I'm not gonna name names mm-hmm. the evening before I decided that hey you know I'm just gonna take one of them mm. and just see where that goes Tito J my Ninong gives yep. me a call and he says you know oh, what, Lance? You have to imitate the voice. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, Lance. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. No, but he, he calls me up and he says, you know what? It might be interesting for you to look into the world of startups. At the time, they were incubating good meal hunting and they needed somebody to handle the whole business development and operations for them. Mm-hmm. Right there and then, I said, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. I wake up the next day. I go to supposedly the first day of my then work supposed work and I tell them hey guys I'm so sorry (laughs) I'm not pushing through (laughs) Uh, of course I wanted to be respectful and showed up and you know told them so that's what happened and I guess everything slingshotted after that just two months after we started working together we 
got accepted into a accelerator program in Malaysia. Magic, right? Yep, Again, magic. easily. I don't know if they're still they're around. I've been to Cyberjaya. Mm. I was able to visit there. But man, that's you have nothing to do in the yep. middle of nowhere. And we were there for six months. Yeah, you're just there to fucking work on it. And it's, uh, by the way, I don't know if you got to experience it, but there's fucking scary ass crows outside of that cam- yep. campus, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> there's uh-huh. a Toon Hotel and uh-huh. there's this grocery behind it. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's where I stayed when I went there. Like, uh-huh. man, you have nothing to do here but do your own uh-huh. shit. But the right. campus and facility was great. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, oh, it's just, just I just remember yeah, these things. But, yeah, but, but what, it was a campus where you had nothing to do but work on uh-huh, your startup. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? What was that experience like? Because again, eventually you will come full circle, and now again another circle because you're on the investor side of things. But as a incubator and accelerator, yep. Right? What was that like? Because again, eventually you're going to do that in Launch Garage supporting startups. But as part of a startup, as a co-founder, what was that like? And what did you learn there? Yeah, I, I guess that's where I realized that what I really wanted to do was to support other people in their entrepreneurial journeys. When I was in Magic, it was so immersive because we were there for six months. Yep. We co-lived with each other in a hotel that was like a few meters away. Yep. So like you said, there there was nothing else to do day in, day out. So they had like, you know, these great sessions where in part of it are like, you know, your usual lectures about how to start a startup, you know, going to the business class. Zero to one process. Yep. Mm-hmm. But in between those were interesting sessions where in founders and entrepreneurs were able to share some insights about their journey. Yep. And my key takeaway there really is you know, these guys have gone through that whole zero to one, even zero to 10 process. Based on their experience, there are certain things that you don't need to go through and just, you know, avoid. Learn from other people's mistakes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I guess that's what was interesting. And the bond that we shared with, with all these other cohorts and startups that we worked with, it was an insightful experience in terms of generating feedback from an outsider's perspective you know from from a like-minded entrepreneur but who isn't really internal within your company so i guess that's where it really started you know getting into me now this is really what i want to do i want to i want to support founders i want to support startups i've acknowledged early on that being that support system is what's interesting for me yeah but you are still part of a startup here and what what i like about it is it sometimes it's this is what I see in the ecosystem. Still, still rampant now, especially in the early stages. A lot of people give advice, but they've never lived the startup life. Yep, dude. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're gonna give me advice, and you've never lived my life. You don't know how hard it is to make payroll and fucking do all of these <laughs> zero to one founder shit, mm-hmm. right? And you're gonna give me advice, but you that you did it yourself. Six months being immersed. Again, shout out to Gary. Easily one of the best number, best names in a freaking startup. <laughs> Good meal hunting. Okay, you know if, if you're too young, if you don't know what that pun means, you're oh, too no. young for us. <laughs> or what type of movies do you even fucking watch? You are a savage. Just kidding. But yeah, um. What did you then learn? Because again, I remember you were doing this for a while. And again, sends it on LinkedIn. You did, did this for two and a half years, mm-hmm. almost two and a half years, right? You living this life, but you had that already epiphany that you want to support, but you were part of the startups. What are the things that you then learned about yourself that again, in hindsight, prepared you for that role of being in support of startups? 
Mm-hmm. I guess it's a lot of things, but one of the things really is that the whole zero to one process, there's actually a structure to it. Although it's not like, you know, a fixed framework that if you do this, then success is going to nope. come. No guarantees. Man. It's just helping increase that chance of success. And what's that structure? It's the, I'd say, top of mind, lean startup canvas. You know, everybody goes through this whole exercise. It's I'll been just, there. I'll just do tangent real quick. Sure. Lean startup canvas and the experimentation. But I remember doing this in Brownland, <laughs> Jay's office okay. one time. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you hacking this big ass thing on my wall? Uh-huh. Like, this is the framework of how I'm going to do experiments. Mm-hmm. Right? And I remember during that year, it was LaSalle versus USD in the UAP finals. We lost. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the motherfucker just fucking put a animo. <laughs> All right. Way to rub it in, man. Thank you. But again, I did that myself. I had no one yeah. teaching me. Yeah. Google University was my thing. I it's not the lean canvas the next one that you do that where you're forced to go out of the building I forgot what it's called javelin board javelin, javelin board. board yeah yeah but okay lean startup canvas easy yep back then it wasn't normal but if you knew how to iterate and you know your problem sector and your product uh-huh. solution sector that would be great okay what else from the beginning you know storytelling properly pitching properly relaying the ideas that you have in mind mm-hmm. okay Proper business modeling and unit economics, because yep. at the end of the day, if you're not generating revenues, <laughs> then you're an expensive hobby, yep. not a business. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's you know the, the overall bravado of being an entrepreneur, how you present yourself to to your users, how how you generate that whole feedback loop yep. of understanding that what you think really isn't what's true. Mm-hmm. Or what's valuable to them? It's what they tell you. Yeah. But at the same time, you need to like sieve out the feedback of information that they give you because one person could lead you to the next thing, which might not be the actual thing. So again, it's a it's a lot of bits and pieces that is structured through a program. Not that it's not available online because everything is available online. But that whole immersive experience being with like-minded people under one same roof, I think really is a huge factor to increasing success. Got it. So one of the things that I really am super impressed is after this, was it straight Launch Garage or did you do other things in between that, that prepped you for that? So just to step back a bit, um, the end of the accelerator program at Magic, it was a demo day pitch. Oh, in yes. We pitched to, you know, investors and potential partners. So we did that whole thing. Sadly, we did not raise investments. We went back home and continued the business. We even, you know, tried other things like joining Mercato. Shout out, RJ. Shout out. That's my Nino. Oh, that's your Nino. In my wedding. Nice. And, uh, you know, all these other things. But one of the things of... That comes with being a founder is also being true to yourself. And, you know, we sat down one day and said, you know, we've done so much experiments. Yep. It might be time to really, you know. Pack it in. Yep. Yep. Right. There's, there's really good pantai from, from here. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> you should have tasted it. Legit pantai yeah. from a Thai herself. And, you there know, you I, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but my general learning there, looking back today, is... When we started Good Meal Hunting, the infrastructure wasn't there yet. The grabs, the Uber Eats, the grab foods, yeah. the food What would have worked now? 
Yeah. yeah. So again, a lot of it also boils down to proper timing and position. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So after that, when you packed it in and you now experience the whole life cycle of a startup, what what was next? And was that were you really seeking out that role where you can support startups at that point, or do you do other stints that prepared you for it first? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I started out in Launch Garage as the person who led the product development of what we called Garage Academy. Mm. So the idea really was to create learning sessions that you typically don't teach in like university or college geared towards startup entrepreneurs. I did that part-time with Launch Garage. Mm. At the same time, I was doing a lot of um, consulting work with other startups. Mm. So okay. I was we, we, we did a project with um, ADB right. together with Dale, David. Shout out, Dale. The Mountaineer. Yes, the Mountaineer. Sometimes he's down here. Uh-huh. 90% of the time he's up there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we did a project for a national development e-learning platform wow. that was powered by ADB wherein mm-hmm. the, the key idea was to have some sort of a disbursement platform for teachers na- nationwide mm-hmm. to right. receive learning material for them to upskill their knowledge and work. Nice. Okay. And along with that platform was like a assessment process wherein you know they do a test just to Got see it. whether or not they read it. Mm. And then an analytics platform that wow. tells you know how much they read, what are the, what's their performance, etc. Mm. And that was one of many gigs I was doing mm. at the time. But after doing Garage Academy, I'd say for like three four months, I, I I went up to Jay and told him, you know, this might be something I really want to focus. So I, I did mention that you know throughout my stint at Magic, that's mm. where probably it started percolating in my head. But yep. after working with several startups and knowing that working with startups is something that I really enjoy, we just decided to really you know take it to the next level and go full time. All Launch in. Garage, yeah. That's amazing. All right, now again, Launch Garage. Just to give a little bit of trivia, mm. uh, the, the OG Launch Garage was actually a collaboration with Kickstart. Yes. Right? Uh, where they incubate and whatnot after several things. Again, this spun off to this iteration of Launch Garage mm-hmm. uh, that you guys had. But when this iteration, though, again, what was the main goal? Obviously, it's straightforward. You see it, you want to support founders. But what were the pillars of what you guys were trying to do? Of course, yep. the garage economy. What was then uh, the things that you were doing? And again, when you went all in, mm-hmm. what were the things that you had to do then in, in, in making that work? Yeah, I guess central to the whole thing was the actual innovation hub. Mm. It was the co-working space that we had. In Circulo Verde. In Circulo Verde that followed the idea of bringing like-minded people together under one space. Yep. So we wanted to bring in as much startups as we could and fit mm-hmm. them into that venue mm-hmm. and just see how ideas, products, and services, you know, develop. I remember Luis Sia was crediting that his, his entry to the startup ecosystem was through Launch Garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's where I met Luis. He was doing something completely different back then. Yep. And a lot of the, or most of the startup founders that I still at least interface and work with today are coming from, you know, that ecosystem that we built. Miguel Zarin, good example. 
before I was doing my brother, rest in peace, Sir Joji. Yeah, rest in peace. Was it Plato or Plato? Plato or? Yeah, Plato. Yep, yep. Uh huh. And then now, you know, he's doing a suite of things. Also, also married. Into, I'm getting also old. married. You guys are just like <laughs> a youngins to me before. Like, fucking hey, you're all married now. <laughs> we're, we're just following you. We're following your suit. Again, just fucking always bring your ring, huh, yeah. guys? That's yeah. my only advice. Don't bring your <laughs> ring at all. Okay. Yeah, who coincidentally is also very active in the Web3 space. Yes. Begin, yeah. Bianca. So fun fact there, they had their wedding the day after I had my wedding. Yeah, again, see, wedding buddies. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wedding yeah. season. Yeah. Startup wedding season. Uh-huh. Right there. But again, I want to understand now on the role. Again, when you went all in, yep. this is now the fruition of that, that, that thought that you had that, hey, I want to fucking support. Uh-huh. Right? But again, you had to also probably go through another metamorphosis because uh-huh. doing support Versus being a founder are totally different things, right. right? What was that metamorphosis along with the roles that you really had to do during right. that? that so, so my role in Launch Garage at that time was general manager. And I think it fit me very well because my main function when I was doing good meal hunting really was being the operator. You know, making sure things are done, mm-hmm. making sure that timelines are met. And mm-hmm. making sure that everything is working perfectly. Mm-hmm. So aside from like the whole co-working space angle of Launch Garage, you know, we were conducting programs with the academe, yep, with the local government, mm-hmm. or even something we branded as back then, um, super collider sessions. So super collider sessions were pitching sessions wherein we bring in a set of investors, have uh, a few of our startups pitch to them. Have good food. Have good sure. food. Mm-hmm. Have good networking and drinks. Notch Garage was known for, you know, all the beer and everything. Can't be weak in drinking. <laughs> so, yeah, just a few things that we were doing. We even looked into providing corporate innovation. We worked with the likes of Unilab in terms of really exploring innovation in the corporate mm-hmm. setting. Mm-hmm. And just even these mixer sessions that we did were in, you know, it's networking events. Nice. There's some sort of a talk or AMA or fireside chat and right. after people can just like co-mingle. Okay. Now, I want to deep dive on your role because again, being supportive, I've seen this magic being done with Kubo, with Idea Space. What we end up going through as participants, as founders, yep. has already been laid out with hard work from you guys. Uh-huh. Walk me through the day-to-day grind of supporting startups and how hard was it to, you know, because not all startups are created equal. Founders uh-huh. come in from, hey, I have an idea. Uh-huh. And you have that bravado, but dude, you don't have a fucking team, what are you talking about, right? right? Or right. are there people who are more seasoned right. and whatnot? What was that day-to-day grind and walk me through the prep that you uh-huh. had to do to really do that support? Because again, not everybody is built for that. Yep. Some people, and again, majority of the people that I know wants to be in the limelight and want to live the founder life. Mm. It's only a select few who, number one, wants to do support and number two, can actually do, do it fucking well. Because mm-hmm. some, some are just like forced to be, oh my God, I'm working in a, an accelerator. You can easily tell if it's not their passion. Yep, yep. But you are passionate about this. Yep. Walk me through that day-to-day and that grind. I guess, at least on the base level, 
you need to have a good understanding of what these companies are doing. Yes. <laughs> you have you need to have an understanding of what sector they're focused on, what their business model is, what their go-to-market is, and mm-hmm. even the strengths and weaknesses of each of the founders or co-founders if they're uh, a team. Got it. After that, it's really, you know, opening your 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 eyes and ears to opportunities that mm-hmm. can help support them or help take them to the next level. Mm-hmm. And even spending a lot of time, you know, sitting down in a conference room and just really brainstorming. So I guess it's very similar to the time wherein I had a lot of gigs going on altogether. Yep. And going back to like that day-to-day process, it's never a fixed day. Which makes it fun. Which is very fun. Can get a bit tiring from time to time. <laughs> but Especially always during take break. Networking. Uh-huh. Or pitching during the pitching season oh my gosh it's a lot of work yeah yeah you're just great yeah. but it's fun yeah and I guess last would be understanding the modes of these startups mm. some startups they are in their finding their product market fit mode other startups would be in their fundraising mode and the rest would be you know scaling mode I mean once they find the product market fit and they, they already know their go-to-market strategy then it's just really pushing for scale so that's i guess what's very interesting to me it, it's it's a lot of information that you put together mm-hmm. it's a lot of you know relationships that you build mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of um, understanding really what problems are being solved by, by these entrepreneurs got it all right now last last question before we take our first break because sure. other than LaunchCrowd, you also participated in Medify, yep. also in ProdCloud and whatnot. These are, again, legit startups that were doing this. And while you're building all of these together, right, it's not easy to be in startup build mode and startup support mode. Mm. But there's an overlap. Mm. And the more you do more of both, you, you yeah. can actually apply the learnings from. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's like wiring yourself into the system. Like you need to have that feel of what's going on, yeah. not just within the startup, but also in the entire ecosystem. May it be mm-hmm. locally in Manila or regionally Southeast Asia or mm-hmm. even, you know, worldwide to a certain extent. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it all comes together. It all goes well together. Yeah, but I want to ask, what did you learn running with with running Launch Garage or no, running Medify and ProudCloud that you were apply? We were able to apply when you were helping support startups in Launch Garage. Very good question. I guess it has a lot to do with company structure, the day to day activities that I see and try to replicate with startups that are in scaling mode. Mm-hmm. And more or less endorsing it to startups who are still building out the whole structure of how to do things. Yeah, I guess it's number one. Number two, I guess, is really the whole feedback loop that I keep bringing up. I feel like, in essence, that really is the core of everything. Understanding your users, and these users can change. These the profiles can change. A lot of nuances can be there, but having that feedback mechanism that iteration mechanism mm-hmm. is truly what helps startup scale to the next level, I think. Yep, absolutely. All right, now let's take our first break. And when we come back, we'll now talk about how you went from the garage uh-huh. all to the whole archipelago with Archipelago Labs. But we'll talk about that more after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with Lance Monrejo again. Told us how he was able to help and learn a lot about the startups that he, they were helping out in Launch Garage. But again, you had to now go full circle. Now, mm. I want to understand, between Launch Garage... How did that materialize into getting into Web3? Web3 first. Before, because sure. again, 2016, 2017, there was a crypto bomb mm. <laughs> that was there, ICOs and mm. whatnot. There's, there's, there's startups that did well, some, most of them died and whatnot. Yeah. How did you get into the Web3, Web3 sure. crypto uh, space? Great question. Perfect segue. I learned about crypto and blockchain while I was in Launch Garage. Mm-hmm. We started seeing a bit of pitch decks and pitches that were revolving around back then, you know, blockchain. Yes. <laughs> and it, it was very intriguing to me. I mean, the whole concept of Bitcoin being peer-to-peer, yep. transparent, mm-hmm. money that, that can be moved around. Yep. Could be a store of value, you know, could be a form of remittance that is cross-border. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating to me because, I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I'm open to say at one point, you know, you hear several pitches that are just the same over and over again <laughs> and it gets a bit of, it so gets a bit tiring. And, yeah. and logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> different color. <laughs> Kidding aside, um, it was something new that mm. I was very eager to look into. Yep. So, Timing was correct. It was roughly around 2016 yep. where we started getting some such concepts. And that's where my interest into the whole rabbit hole started. A few of the companies that we were advising in Launch Garage actually did that whole ICO route, explored that ICO route. And um, one of our shareholders slash mentors, Anderson Tan, 
Um, All right. Shout yeah. out Anderson Tan. Shout out Anderson. <laughs> Miss you. <laughs> that name in a long time. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, which was also our angel investor in Good Meal Hunting before. Ah, yeah. Right, right. I remember, right. Yeah, we, we had some conversations about it. And that's when I started really diving deep and looking into that whole industry. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, it wasn't Web3. Nope. It was just purely speculative. Yep. It was a new market that people wanted to get into. And the hype was, hey, do you have Bitcoin? Where yeah. can you buy Bitcoin? There yep. you go. Yep. Or ETH, right? Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's where my my interest started, and mm. I spent most of my evenings really just down that rabbit hole Got across it. since 2016 up until today. Got it. So a lot of the crypto folks, you know, we're, we're the guys in front of the computers. Yep. In the evening. No we, Viva Max. Yeah. <laughs> no Viva Max. There you go. <laughs> just making sure that they're really. Learning, not, you know, yeah. just <laughs> thrashing your brain. But I want to understand, how did this evolve and what are the trends you saw? Because again, right now, you're obviously wearing a different hat where you're investing in this actively. Yep. Because this, the cycle of evolution of, again, names, even the names that were being thrown, yeah. and also a lot of failures in between, was very fast in Web3, uh-huh. crypto, whatever you want to call it right now, blockchain, right? What are these trends that you saw that, hey, this is really game-changing and uh-huh. these are the ones that will, you know, probably set things back, say, uh, like, uh, you know, FTX type of shit that's, that's uh-huh. happening. Yeah. What was very interesting to me is how things developed across the last five years, six mm-hmm. years from 2016. Back then, like we discussed, it was just ICOs with white papers and no actual use cases. Yep. People were fundraising with, you know, well-written white papers. They wrote that down. There was not chat GPT. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Good work, guys. Great work. (laughs) Yeah. The time when people were still learning and machine wasn't learning. (laughs) Yes. Everything was (laughs) mano-mano. Yeah, everything was mano-mano. But across the years... Fast forward to 2018, 2019, that's where the centralized finance started popping up. Alternative means of doing financial transactions, remittances, or even value-generating protocols or platforms. And then fast forward to 2019, dawn of like NFTs. Some people would say a bit more earlier than that, but that's when, you know, the talk started really have been generating with NFTs or non-fungible tokens, which is also very interesting because to me, it's a good way of creating, at least today, a digital identity, expressing certain Mm -hmm. cultures and communities that you believe in. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, everybody knows this. 2021 was like the whole Web3 gaming play-to-earn era. Thank you, YGG. Thank you, YGG. So despite what people thought of, it's a mixed bag, what people thought of that whole play-to-earn era, I'd say they've paved the way towards reimagining how a lot of things work today. And it worked. It really worked. It just says, again, there's cycles to this. And some people just can't. They're always cut loss. You gotta have to, you know, live it through the down times mm-hmm. to reap the benefits of, you know, the bull run. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, putting everything together, th- that's what has been exciting me, at least up until now. Mm. You see the development from just a white paper towards people actually interfacing with the technology today. And even if Web3 can come off as some sort of a buzzword, we were talking about this yep. you know, before the show, it's just a new way to interact, interface with the existing web or the internet. It's been there all along. Yep. It's a different name. Yep. <laughs> right? That's why I was like, what the hell? There's, there's a metaverse now? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. That's so some like, people would say, you know, Web1 was like static. Yep. Web2 is like dynamic because that's where most of these platforms emerged. Yep. Like the Facebooks. Yep. Or for some people, the Central. multiplies. Yes. <laughs> Friendster, Friendster. The Friendsters, the MySpaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Web3 is just reimagining how people interface with the internet. It could be through financial transactions. It yep. could be smart contracts. Whatever smart contracts. Is. Yep. All right. So now the million dollar question is, how did you go from a fan and this guy who spends lots of time not watching Viva Max, but studying Web3? <laughs> And crypto and seeing all these decks come and go in and out by for through through the years. And how did this become a fund? How did this become like archipelago labs right. as we know it now? Yeah, so twenty twenty three now. Sorry, I get dates mixed up a bit. Dude, ever since the <laughs> pandemic is just a time warp. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh shit, it's been three years, right? Yeah, so January or December of twenty twenty one or January twenty twenty two. That's when I decided to really think deeply of about what I really want to do. I was telling myself I was spending so much time in this industry, but none of my work really revolves around it. Mm. I told myself, you know, I wanted to drop everything and just start off fresh and just focus on crypto web three moving forward. Aye. So January 2022, that's what I did. Um, I did a few short stints um, of consulting with some Web3 companies. And then I sat down again and said, you know, I just want to do one thing. I'm done with this whole doing a lot of gigs, doing a lot of like consulting work. I want to focus on Web3. That's what I was sure of. And I wanted to give 100% to it. So I caught up with Nichelle. Nichelle Shout Gaba. out to our lovely sponsor for last Shout year, PDAX. Shout out, Nichelle. Uh, we actually met 2017, 2018. Mm. I said 2018. First iteration of PDAX. Pre-PDAX. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I believe. HSBC, I think he just went on MIT. Forget this. Harvard, yeah, Wharton. Yeah. Oh, Wharton. Yeah, okay, so he yes. just got back from okay. the States. Mm. We met through a trading boot camp that was specific to cryptocurrency and then I remember you know he was saying that he he, he was planning to start PDAX and everything right. and it's just truly amazing to see how that all developed from, from meeting him in 2018 up until today mm-hmm. so going back to first quarter of 2022 yep. I caught up with him he mentioned that they have been thinking of actually putting up a incubator accelerator that's focused on web mm-hmm. and you know, I was like, you know, maybe it makes sense to pursue that route with my background, working with Launch Garage and go, going through all these accelerators, like not just magic, but like we did 500 startups in Kobe, Japan, 
we did the whole seed stars thing also in Switzerland. Yep. So it seemed like the right fit. I feel like everything made sense in terms of what I wanted to focus in, mm. my experience in history, and yep. my ability to of becoming a founder in the past. Yep. So we sat down, we had coffee, and we were like, okay. I expressed my my thoughts and what I think about the whole industry and. Mm-hmm. Michelle and his partners they, they 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 got back to me and said you um, let's give this a try let's nice. do it nice that's all right so with that point of course it's not easy putting up a fund right several things need to happen right you gotta get your GPS you know the people that are gonna write the checks and also your investment thesis or your investment mm-hmm. mandate mm-hmm. so how did those two come together right so off the bat what we understood was that there is a generational opportunity. In getting into Web three, akin to the dot com era, where and everything was like you know very new the and shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to put it <laughs> leading towards what it is today, wherein you know yeah. it's 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 a proper ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Second, Michelle was one proponent out of the three proponents that was supporting Archipelago Labs or Elab. So yep. there's Oak Drive Ventures. As well as Magellan Digital Investment Group. Magellan Digital, Digital Investment Not Magellan Fetalino. Not okay. Magellan Fetalino. But he's a crypto dude as well. Yeah. Right? But a different Magellan. Okay. Shout out, Mag. It's been forever Mag, since I last saw you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there are the three main principal entities as well as the people behind conceptualizing Archipelago Labs. And like I told you, you know, my, my strength is really being an operator. Yep. So my mission was, you know, to take that from the ground off. Yes. I'd say we're still fairly new. Mm-hmm. We started at April of last year. Mm-hmm. So close to getting to that one year mark. Uh-huh. But we spent a lot of time really understanding, you know, mapping out the ecosystem. Because one thing we were sure of is supporting Filipino founders yep. at their earliest stages. Yep. This could be through capital. This could be through structured programs, incubation programs. Mm. This could be through advisory and network reach, you know, mm-hmm. introducing them to the right people in terms of not just fundraising, but even business development. And yep. So we mapped out that industry, at least locally, for the first few months. We met you know, the startups that we wanted to look at through networking events, yeah. through our website where you could submit a pitch through mm-hmm. you know referrals. And through that exercise, that's when we really dialed down on the idea that we were talking about a while ago. It altogether, it's still the web in general. Yes. It's about how technology can address solutions mm-hmm. and solve problems that people are facing on the day to day basis. Yep. So generally, that's where our investment thesis revolves at. Mm-hmm. We believe that in the next five years, mm-hmm. there would be no difference between Web 3, Web 1, Web 2. It's just yep. all going to be It's the same all thing. under the hood anyway. right? But we're going to be enjoying how we can leverage you know, the, this emerging technology. Which is essentially utilizing cryptocurrencies, utilizing blockchain technology, and everything that comes with it. That's great. So now, in in that said, so what I'm getting here is that so it's not just exclusive to Web three yep. as 
most people think, oh, is this, are, do I need to be a metaverse serious eh, to get this done? So you, it doesn't matter, right? As yep. long as you're solving a problem within this spectrum, whatever is under the hood uh-huh. is there. So I'll, I'll deep dive there. Okay, so if it's not Web3-centric and, it, and Web2 companies can come in too, is there a sector that you have that you like to because some, some funds are like that like alright right. we only like e-commerce or whatnot. is there a mandate towards that or also agnostic we're, we're, we're sector agnostic mm-hmm. I guess in terms of focus it's finding these founders and ideas at their earliest stages wow okay one thing we recognize and I'm sure Ron you, you agree with this especially in the earliest stages a lot of things can change yes People call it like pivots, you know, like Slack is a perfect example. It started out as a gaming company and then they were creating these tools to help support that gaming company or that gaming idea. And then now it's a, it's a messaging or a Teams type of platform. So what we really look at is founders who have that, that grit, that entrepreneur persona and that drive to really create solutions and okay. solve problems got it so I'll, I'll since we're talking about founder profile already so again team time traction that's always the, the 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 formula in looking for the right investable candidate not not something you'd write a check for right uh-huh. away but in terms of the, the 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 founder types is there a specific criteria or that, that you guys look for in the ones that you like to invest in or at least entertain I'd say it's a very loose criteria in okay. terms of like the founder. One thing I could share, I guess, is we really like looking at teams. No man is an island. We we like at least having that mix of somebody who has business savviness, somebody who can handle the technical aspect of the business yep. with us being focused on, on tech startups. Yep. And probably, you know, plus points if you have like this product person or this designer who can really relay that experience to to their target market. So we like founding teams who have more or less some sort of history together. We like founders who have some sort of industry expertise with the problem that they're solving. Mm -hmm. So let's say if they want to do something along the lines of fintech or decentralized finance, then at least have that, you know, understanding of of what finance is in the beginning. So Mm. very loose criteria, Yeah, but everything put together could, you know, paint a better picture of their capacity to really thrive and scale up. Absolutely. Now, in terms of the stage, again, you're, taking a hell of a lot of risk here but what stage do you typically like to invest in because again if you're taking that risk and these are the type of founders you look at right. is it safe to assume do you like that you want to be one of the first if not the first check or institutional check that's going to be given to a startup yes I'd say the reason why we want to come in as early as possible is because we roll up our sleeves. Mm. It's not just, you know, all about capital and being an incubator accelerator. I mm. think that really is the value add that we'd like to provide. Yep. You know, not hand holding them into the entire process, but at mm. least advising and guiding them throughout the in and out in and outs of everything. Yep. So we have like structured programs that we're building out today 
I, I think we could we're, we're about to launch it this coming Q2 of this year. Okay. Wherein you know th- they go through the program and towards the end of the program they get some sort of capital as well mm-hmm. as value add by by being one of the portfolio companies that work together with us. That's amazing. Now, what's the specific stage that you guys typically like to play in? I'd say founders with interesting ideas, hopefully with a team, okay. leading up to probably pre-seed stage. Pre-seed. Okay. So from ideation to pre-seed. Yep. Wow, that's super risky. That's uh, But again, you've seen this happen already before with Launch Garage, right? Mm-hmm. At least now there's a check that, that's yep, a significant exactly. that will also come through. Um, what have you seen so far? Again, the <laughs> Web3 and the Metaverse is all the rave. But again, I'll sound like a fucking Tito doing this shit, but man, there's a lot of hype and yeah. no bite out there. Yeah. There are a few ones that are legit and you know they're legit because you can already say they're building something, a product uh-huh. that solves something. Yeah. But I see a lot of, oh my God, I've seen this before, guys. This Just look back in 2016 and 2017. Yep. This is the exact same iteration. Just yeah. a different fucking name. Yeah. What have you seen so far and what do you see? What? How do you distinguish the right. ones that are at least backable or uh, candidates and those uh, ones who are just like, guys, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. And I guess just to comment on, on what you shared as well, I think that that's what comes with being in an emerging technology sector. Yep. I'm sure... You know, we've seen it in the in the web to it's so funny saying web to in the <laughs> web to era. Yep. Um but yeah, we we've seen a lot of startups. We're we're looking at startups both locally and regionally. Mm. Regionally in a sense that they want to come into the Philippine markets. And I'd say you're you're completely right. You know, there are a lot of startups that are all fluff and you know, um bells and whistles yep. but i'd say there are also a lot of startups that have interesting use cases yeah, absolutely that are leveraging on this whole web3 ecosystem what are the determinants i guess what's the criteria that you see that they're onto the right they're really building something that's worth listening to and those ones were like guys you're doing fun. i guess it's still first principles no it's not very much different from from tech startups in general. Yep. If they're really solving a proper problem and their TAM, like you mentioned, yep. is quite significant. Or they even know their TAM. Or do they even know their TAM? <laughs> yes. Yes. Or they just say, oh, this is a $10 billion industry. <laughs> what industry? <man? laughs> I, I hope they could figure that out now with the help of ChatGPT. No, yes. Kidding. Dude. <laughs> I'm kidding. Can't. Yep. But again, you yeah. should know how big the industry that you're trying yeah. to get in because that's a, yeah. that's the big opportunity. If you're if you're ever gonna win, yeah. do you need to win ninety percent of the market for you to be successful or just be one of the players and you'd be a unicorn. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the the time would really dictate your, your scalability. Yep. I mean, if you're if you're targeting a very small audience, then external capital might not be for you. We can bootstrap that thing. And I, I'm not afraid of telling that to founders that we meet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though we, we offer capital, if it's not a fit, if it's not a fit 
for your business. Yeah. If we do not see any added value that the incubator, accelerator, or A Labs can provide, yep. then there isn't really much reason for us to, to push through. Right. And I guess our stringent process and criteria mm. is very helpful for, for us to really determine, you know, the, the type of founders we want to we want to work with. Got it. All right. Now Process wise, so if a startup wants to shoot their shot, it's like, Oi, Lance, I want to be part of it. I will pitch you. What's the typical process like when you guys, you know, uh, do deal flow? Sure. I guess top of mind, first thing, we have our website, mm-hmm. archipelagolabs.xyz. Um, mm-hmm. There is a apply now button right there wherein you could fill up a very simple form. To, to schedule some sort of a pitch with us. Okay. Either submit your pitch deck and then move towards that whole pitching process. Yep. Either than that, we, we have what we call our open office sessions, mm-hmm. wherein if you don't have a pitch yet or you don't have a pitch deck, you know, we're willing to sit down with you and just hear your thoughts. You know, what is your idea? How we can create something concrete out of that? It won't be... A one-time thing, you no. Know? It won't be like you know, we, we hop into the call and then wow, Eureka, we've got yep. it. It yep. could be like multiple sessions um, leading towards that. The fact that you guys are investing that time, that as I'm already amazed, no. right? Because not everybody will make use of that time efficiently. Yeah, but again, but I'd say it's very enjoyable. I mean, mm. like I told you, I, I find joy in hearing and learning. It's like guidance counseling, technically. <laughs> there you go. Mm. In a way, yeah. Mm. In a way. And yeah, we're, we also do open calls so people can just reach out to us, nice. um, at least in the Web3 community. I, I'm very much out there, putting mm. myself out there. So typical to Web3, it's Twitter, it's Discord that people usually reach out. NFG. Feel free to, to reach out. To yeah. them. <laughs> GM, GM. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I'm just being a tito, not making fun of you. Just, uh, just seeing what I see. All right, but again, let's let's now take our last break, and then we come back. Let's pay it forward. I don't understand again. In hindsight, being seeing what you've seen and what you've already experienced, let's talk about you know paying it forward to, to the startup entrepreneurs that we have here, and again, see how we can learn from other people's mistakes. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. 
Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Lance Warmer then told us what A-Labs is. Okay, I'll just call it A-Labs. I'll call it A-Labs. I'll call it A-Labs too. All right, so it's really nice. Again, I'm glad there's another fund that's really able to nurture Web3 and again, even Web2 specific this early because again, a lot of people need help here. Not a lot of people will get it, but at least when you earn it and you know you're, you have something good that's uh, bankable. Or uh, you can write a venture fund on, then that's great. But one thing I want to understand, right? You've seen this 
during your lunch garage stint, even with good meal hunting and all these other side stints that you've done. You've been an operator and now you're in Archipelago Labs. What I want to understand is for you, and this is your opinion, what makes mm. a good startup? Not not a successful startup. Yep. It doesn't have to you don't have to be there yet or mm. there there at the pinnacle of success. But what are the foundations yep. of a good startup in your opinion? I'd say it's a couple of things. First of which, and I mentioned this earlier, it's proper unit economics. Yep. You need to make sure that at the end of the day you are, you know, a business. Yep. Second, I'd say, is your ability to communicate and articulate what you're selling or what service you're providing. Mm-hmm. I, I I see a lot of founders who have great ideas, but in terms of like narrative. storytelling and creating that narrative, yeah. they get lost within the sauce. Of, it's tangent on tangent. It's like yeah. the multiverse. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's something you can work on. By the way, yep. I'm not shitting on you. There's something you can. It's it's how it's it's basically what to say and when to say it yep. in the right sequence. Yeah, or it could be as simple as creating that proper elevator pitch or yep. that one liner, which is a very important exercise that a lot of people don't really, you know, put importance to. Right. Uh, you should always have that at the back of your pocket. Yep. Just so that, you know, when the opportunity arises, it's something mm-hmm. you can do. And I guess last really is understanding what it means to find product market fit. Mm, that's deep. So what, what do you mean by that? Product market fit, I think, is something that's very difficult to achieve. It's very difficult to achieve because there are a lot of facets to it. There are mm-hmm. a lot of things to it. But like I mentioned, if you have a proper feedback mechanism, an yep. iteration mechanism, then it can give you ideas of whether or not this is something that your user base or your potential customers are receptive to. That's amazing. All right. Now, again, at the end of the day, teams are what, uh, fundamentally, those are what startups do. But again, startups won't work without the founders. What do you think, in your opinion, are the qualities of a good founder that's going to make it. Again, we all have our yep. different personalities, right? Uh, and then recently, I talked about this in, in another startup that for some reason, there's this over-fascination of being fucking CEO. Uh-huh. Not everybody's built for that. Uh-huh. And you don't have to be Batman in order to be a vital part of uh-huh. an ecosystem or of, of a startup. Sometimes you can be Robin and you're the one that yep. you're the heart and soul of that startup but yeah. everybody was like oh I want the CEO title yeah bruh it's it, it's different but I want to understand from your point of view the traits of a solid yeah. founder or a solid co-founder doesn't have to be CEO but someone who yeah. can work well within a startup ecosystem yeah no that's a great point what you mentioned I think that this has something to do with self-awareness yeah and I've seen this I've seen this in a few startups that, that we're, we've worked with or currently working with we're in some have opted to relinquish that CEO leadership role purely because they understand that that's what's best for the startup or the company. Wow, that's a lot of maturity. That's a lot of maturity. And, you know, I look up to people like this because 
if if you don't have that self-awareness and if you don't lead with what you think is best for the startup company or the business, then you're essentially wasting your time. Right. Now, in, in, in terms of the dynamics, are, are there characteristics that you've seen over the, the successful ones and not the not-so-successful so ones that, that make it? Is there a real line in between? Or, or are there like common characteristics of the ones that thrive? Say, a Nichelle yeah. Gaba. Yeah. What is Nichelle great at under the hood that uh-huh. you could characterize over the ones that you've seen that are, again, are not quite there or struggled or probably didn't succeed? Right. right. At least from my point of view, What's very important is you need somebody in the team. Doesn't necessarily need to be the CEO, mm-hmm. at least for zero to one startups or early yeah. stage startups. Is a generalist, yes. somebody who is a generalist who is capable of taking on multiple hats. Yep, who is capable of doing certain amount of work that is lacking within the team. And who is capable of creating that structure from the beginning? Correct. Without the generalist, I mean, it, it it could still work out, but yeah. like there is difficult. A, yeah, someone who can plug in holes. Like shit, I need you to be sales today. All right, we'll be sales today. Yep. Tomorrow I'll be a PM. Okay, yeah. I'll be a PM. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I admire founders like that. I've mm-hmm. I've seen it time and time again. You know, especially I, I call this the rare breed. You know. Yeah tech guys or like um, devs who are capable of storytelling and closing BD deals. For me, those are like, you know, the rare breeds. They're like like close to Superman for me. Or non-tech motherfuckers who can go jargon on jargon (laughs) and not write a single line of code. Yeah. yeah. I'm one of them. (laughs) No, but like, there, there are like no code platforms these days that enable such things, Mm. which... I'm very excited about as well. Right. But yeah, being a generalist, I'd say, is, is very I agree. important. I agree. And one thing that, again, I I, I want to zero in earlier that you said that, again, the, the best founders will have to go through hell and out over and over again. But the ones can also learn from other people's mistakes right? that, that we've seen. And again, one thing that I just want to come clean on, and again, still now I remember... Shout out Tony Abelio. Shout out Tony. Um, Jay's co-founder for the longest time. There's a point in Party Files stage where I was just a fucking idiot. Right? Big idiot. Didn't I had shiny object syndrome and I was desperate. I was making not a lot, not, not a lot of lot of moves. One thing Tony did, and this was with Jay, I remember this was in Chibo in Eastwood. Little thing somewhere in, in on the side, you know how chibos are. They're, they're just in the middle of a fucking hallway, right? and you eat in front of everybody. But one thing that Tony really said that it's still indelible with me is that don't burn bridges. Mm. Don't like I've burned bridges that I shouldn't have. Mm. Right? In hindsight, I would have done it because as you do more of the startup life, and especially if you're going to be successful, and I'm fortunate because. I mean, I've I've turned things around from that big fuck up that I did in in party file, but in hindsight I shouldn't have burned bridges the way I I had Just being an idiot my bad okay and those are things that again I shouldn't have done that terribly and I do my best now to not yeah. burn any bridge regardless of the circumstance yeah. because as you keep going on to your journey the world gets smaller yeah and word goes around. 
right? And, 100%. And, and, and doing that. And these are just some of the mistakes that I wish I could have prevented, but I had to go through myself. But the ones that are really going to be special are the ones that, hey, Ron did that pala. I'm not going to burn bridges and all that. What are those other mistakes, Lance, that you think would be nice to learn from and you don't have to go through yourself? That if you did it, you you probably would skip several layers of pain and suffering <laughs> uh-huh. to, to get to where you need to be. See, Knowing what you know now and seeing yeah. multiple iterations and backstories over startups. Uh-huh. There's a lot of drama in startups. Come on now. That's yeah, why I'm, yeah, doing, yeah. I'm the Tito boy of startups. Yeah. But again, there's a lot of lessons yeah. that needs to be learned. And what's sad for me is that, dude, I've seen this mistake over and over and over again in generation over generation over generation. Startups still do it. One example, I'll just chip it in. Sure. That big ass motherfucking launch that you did. Tell me a startup that did a big launch that made it out successfully. Uh-huh. I don't remember PDAX's launch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't remember Kumu's launch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't remember Great Deal's launch. Even yeah. fucking Grocery. Yeah, yeah. Right? They hunkered down, got uh-huh. shit done. Uh-huh. No launch. Uh-huh. One example, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're probably one that's that made it out well. Yeah, but they had an armory of funds to do that. Yeah. Grab, Grab used to do that a lot. Uh-huh. Other than that, I don't remember anything. Uh-huh. Just one example. Yeah, I guess one example would be falling in love with the whole fundraising thing. Mm. I see a lot of startups who think that once they've fundraised, they made it. Yeah. Where in fact, that's actually <laughs> just the start of everything. It's like, and there's a gun in your head now. Yeah, you, you just onboarded a, a, another set of bosses. I mean, there's good and bad to it, but mm-hmm. what people need to understand, I guess, or what I'm trying to say is, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be as glamorous as nope. how people are painting. It's a means to an end. Yep. There you go. It, it's exactly. It's a means to an end. It's something that's necessary for you to grow, mm-hmm. and falling in love with that whole idea of you know getting into the news or, or mm. getting into publications and whatnot yeah. i feel like a lot of founders get lost into that sauce and they just you know spend too much time gravitating towards such things i'll chip one in um this is in line with that this is another mistake where i see and usually it's it comes with early success mm whether it's through fundraising, whatever that is, when all of a sudden, the CEO of a founder with all success got media bombed. All of a sudden, all this new attention to you and you don't know how to handle it and it gets to your head. All of a sudden, it's all about you Uh and the PR and all of a sudden, it becomes all about you and not about your startup. And sadly, sometimes... that's the writing on the wall. Like, shit, you guys are in trouble. All of a sudden, it becomes an ego boost rather than using this for the startup. At one point, I did this too, but I was, I'm glad I was able to police it and harness hype to drive traffic to the one thing that matters the most, which is uh-huh. the startup's not about me. It's, I use it, I wield it carefully to drive traffic to wherever I'm trying to uh-huh. get traffic to or whatever the hell I'm, I'm scheming at yeah, that point. Yeah. But it's sad when I see this mistake happening when all of a sudden it's the superstar effect. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, superstar. Yeah. And I guess another thing 
that I think is very important. A lot of founders, I feel, keep too much things to themselves. Mm. It's completely okay to ask for help. Yes. It's completely okay to say that you know there are certain struggles and challenges because it gets lonely at the top. It's very true. Um, wherein it even reaches a point wherein you know they think about giving up or they feel a lot of burnout. I mean, that's another thing that we we tell um, founders that we meet. Um, mm-hmm. We we really want to be that call in the middle of the night that you can tell me, what hey, the, what time? Okay. Not, not too late, <laughs> not a booty call, but more of like you know I can't. Till twelve, till twelve, okay. Twelve thirty. Hard stop. Hard stop. <laughs> Wherein you know you couldn't sleep because yeah. of one thing. Yeah, it's not really a promise of a solution. Someone was just yeah. ears willing yeah. to listen. And I, you know, you might not be able to come up with advice at that point in time, but sharing that 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 the monkey off your back, yeah, yeah. is very very helpful. Mm. And a lot of founders, you know, keep this to themselves until everything just. But again, these are just lessons. Again, we're not shitting on anyone. Yep, guys. Yep, these are definitely. just lessons that we're seeing that happen from generation to generation. There's always like, oh God, this, I, there's sometimes I can even was like, oh God, this guy's doing what he, that guy X did yeah. X years ago. And yeah. that didn't turn out well. Uh-huh. I was, sometimes I want to see, I, I, I'm that old vet. Uh, that's like, dude, don't do that. Just, Tito I've seen Ronster. that happen. Tito Ronster is here <laughs> now. Okay. Because again, these are patterns that you recognize that you've seen and it doesn't end well. And again, startups already are very hard by default. Yep. The worst thing you can do is distract yourself with shit that's unnecessary. And the real ones that are become really successful are just busy working on their shit. Heads down, not too much noise, just working day. Very deliberate on when they network, how they network, and at the end of the day, it all just points to one direction, which is I want to make the startup successful. Again, Lance, thank you very much, but we don't have time. Thank you for being on Hustle Share. Appreciate you going here, my Thanks man. But again, me. if people are want to work with you in A-Labs, where do they go and how do they do that? Sure. You can hop into our website, archipelagolabs.xyz. Mm-hmm. We are opening applications for any startups, both in Web 2 and Web 3. Mm-hmm. As long as you're a founder with some sort of idea or even a team that has you know, a, a MVP or a prototype, mm-hmm. reach out to us. We're happy to help. We do open office sessions mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. In the you afternoon. can call Lance also. Again, call me. 12.30, hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app you like to listen to. If we did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be participating in how we create our content, we have the Hustle Share Premium Program where you get to get first dibs over what we do and even get to be participating in our recording when you want to. But again, thank you very much, Lance. Thank you, Ron. All right. Thanks for having me. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Cheers.